Thank you for tuning in to our North Point Community Church podcast. Wherever you are in your faith journey, we pray that as you listen to this message, you will be encouraged and empowered. If you would like more information about our community, visit our website at ncc.team. We're going to begin on first Wednesdays to go through our house habits uh, again. Uh, If you've been around here for any length of time, uh, you have uh, heard us talk about these house habits. If you've been through our growth track, uh, you have heard about the house habits. Um, If you have come on first Wednesdays, any time before this past year, uh, we spent 2015, 16, and 17, all three years, going through a house habit every first Wednesday. Uh, Last year, we did a little something different in that we talked about expansion, how to expand. It was the year of expansion, and so we talked about expansion on First Wednesdays. But uh, but this year, 2019, we're going back to our house habits, and we're going to talk through those habits. And tonight, we're going to start with our very first house habit. That is, we live on. We live on, and we're going to work through them all. We're going to talk about we love big and we honor consistently. We protect unity. uh, We lean in. We grow intentionally. We embrace discipline. We practice honesty. We're going to talk about we lead out. We give generously. We cheer enthusiastically, and we stay on mission. Those are our 12 house habits here, and so we're going to be talking about those as we work our way through the year, but tonight, we're going to talk about we live on. We live on. And, you know, the thing about our house habits is these are more than just the core values of our church. These are the habits that you can put into action in your own family. These are not just the house habits of North Point Community Church. These are habits that you can take and you can begin to live these habits out in your own house. These are not simply statements that we want to hang on a wall. No, these are habits that we want to be ingrained in all of our hearts. And uh, what you will find is that the culture of any house is created by the habits of somebody's hearts and hands. Okay, the culture of any house, uh, any, any house that you walk into, any church that you walk into, any business organization that you walk into, the culture that you feel is going to come from the habits of, of the heart and the habit of the hands. That's why habits are so important because we know that everything revolves around culture. Culture is like the atmosphere. Culture is the environment. And if you want things to grow, you got to have the right environment. It's the power of a greenhouse, right? A greenhouse, you can put it in any environment, but you control what is on the inside so you can grow things in the greenhouse that can't be grown on the outside. Well, that's what culture is. Whenever whenever you have the right culture, you can grow what you want to grow in your family. It doesn't matter what society's doing. It doesn't matter what culture's doing. It doesn't matter what your coworker is doing. It doesn't matter what your next door neighbor is doing. You can grow what you want to grow in your house because you have protected the culture and you've created the culture, but the culture is always created by habits. And that's why habits are so important. That's why we talk about habits uh, here so often. Um, And and the habits uh, that we create are the habits that we ultimately live in. And so if if we don't like what we're living in, if we don't like the culture we're living in, if we don't like the greenhouse, the environment, the atmosphere that we are living in, what we need to do is change our habits. And when we change our habits, we can change our house. We can change our culture. And so I I wanna look at the definition of the word habit as we get into this tonight. Habit is defined as this, an acquired behavior pattern regularly followed until it has become almost involuntary. 
habit is an acquired behavior pattern regularly followed until it has become almost involuntary. I want you to leave that definition up there for a moment because I want to point out a few key words in that definition that you can move through real quickly and go, oh, wow, that's neat, but let's break it down for a moment and let's look at the, the first key word there, and that is acquired. A habit is acquired. That means that it is not natural nor is it automatic. It has to be acquired. Anything that has to be acquired means that it goes against the grain. It goes against the grain. It goes against the norm. It has to be acquired. It says that it is an acquired behavior pattern, okay? It's a pattern. Look, it's not a one-time deal. It's not that you had one good day or one good week. No, if, the, if it's a pattern, it means it needs to be repetitive, Okay, so it has to be acquired, meaning that it's not just going to happen automatic. It's not going to be natural. I'm going to have to work for it, and I've got to work for it so I don't just do it one day or one week. No, it has to become repetitive in my life. It's an acquired behavior pattern regularly followed until it has become almost involuntary. It means I'm not spending energy or effort to make it happen anymore, and it's, this is where it almost appears natural. Okay, this is where people feel like, oh, you were just, you were just born holy. <laughs> no, I've been practicing for a long time. I've been practicing saying no to temptation. I've been practicing saying no to gossip. I've been practicing saying no to selfishness. I've been practicing saying no to greed. I've been practicing saying yes to generosity. I've been practicing saying yes to the right things. And because I've been practicing for so long, working hard to acquire something that goes against my flesh, it has become a pattern in my life. Not that I just had a good week or a good Sunday. It has become a a pattern. And so now it has been such a pattern in my life that it appears like it is involuntary. And so it appears effortless, but the reality of it is, is that it took so much effort to get me where I am. Okay, that's what, that's what a habit is. It, 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 it appears involuntary. It's, it, it, you had to spend a whole lot of effort and energy in the beginning to create, a, to acquire it, to, to make it a pattern. Ooh, it took a whole lot of work, but after you've done that over and over and over and over and over and over again, it gets to a place where now it appears involuntary. This is the power of habit. Uh, I love what John Dryden said. He says, we first make our habits, then our habits make us. We first make our habits, then our habits make us. So what happens is, is we form the house habits and then those habits form our house. I want, I want you to hear that. You, you first form your house habits, okay, for, for your own house. Break this down for you, for your family. You first form your house habits, and then those habits begin to form your house. You make your house habits, and then those habits begin to make your house. And so, here at North Point, our, our very first house habit is we live on. And, and it is first. It's intentionally first because if you don't have this one, then none of the other ones matter. Because you got to determine that I'm going to be a person who lives on. I'm going to live on through the good days and the bad days. I'm going to live on through the pleasure and the pain. I'm going to live on through the tragedy and the triumph. I'm going to live on through the ups and downs. We are people who choose to live on. You see, it doesn't matter if you choose to love big. If you don't choose to live on, you're not going to have the opportunity to love big because you're going to quit. 
doesn't matter. I want to protect unity, and I, I want to cheer enthusiastically. I have to make up my mind first and foremost. I'm going to be a person that chooses to live on. I'm going to live on through my mistake. I'm going to live on through my failures. I'm going to live on through the dark days of life. I'm going to live on through divorce. I'm going to live on through, through uh, the death of loved ones. I'm going to live on through no matter what I face. I'm, I'm making that decision. It's going to be a habit of my house. We will be people that live on. And we must be people that choose to live on through the frustrations of life. And if we want to live through the frustrations of life, then we must make sure that we have the right foundations in our life. If you're going to live through the frustrations of life, you got to make sure you have the right foundations. And, 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 and this is what I can guarantee you. In this, in this life, you're going to have frustrations. You are going to have frustration. You are going to have frustrations with your spouse. You're going to have frustration with your kids. You're going to have frustration on the job. You're going to have the frustrations with the referee at your kid's basketball game. You're going to have frustration with sin. You are going to have frustration. But here's my question to you tonight. Can your foundations handle your frustrations? Can your foundations handle your frustrations? How about the frustration of offense? Every one of us will experience it. The frustration of being offended, the frustration of being overlooked, the, the frustration of, of feeling betrayed, the frustration of, that creates an offense in our heart. And so what, what you have to ask, that, that frustration is coming for every one of us. That frustration is knocking on our door. The frustration of offense is coming. So what you have to ask yourself is, do I have a foundation of forgiveness that is greater than my frustration of offense? Because if I have a foundation of forgiveness, that I, kn I know this is who I am, and because Christ has forgiven me, I am going to forgive. It doesn't matter how bad you offend me. I have already made up my mind. I will live on through that offense, and I'm going to live on through forgiveness. We will probably all at some point deal with the frustration of impatience. Probably. You may be a little holier than I am, but I'm, I'm telling you right now, I, I often, oftentimes I deal with the frustration of impatience, but here's, here's what I have to know. Is my foundation of understanding greater than my frustration of impatience, of understanding that not everything happens as fast as I want it to happen? That not, everything's, not everybody's going to act the way that I think they should act. Not everybody's going to be like me. And whenever I understand that, guess what? It gives me patience for other people. But sometimes we, uh, we allow the frustration of impatience and we, and we don't have the foundation of understanding and we let the frustration of impatience drive our life. And we're all going to deal with the frustration of failure. Man, I mean, I wish it wasn't that way, but every one of us are going to make mistakes. Every one of us are going to say the wrong thing and do the wrong thing. We are going to fail at some point in life. And so you have to ask yourself, is, is there a foundation of repentance and reset in my life? And if I have a foundation of repentance, then I can deal with my frustration of failure. If I, if I have a foundation of resetting, okay? The Bible says the righteous man falls seven times, but he gets up eight. What is that? That's the principle of reset. I fall, but I get up. I fall, but I get up. I fall, but I get up. It didn't say the righteous man happened to fall one day. He said the righteous man fell seven times. 
And it didn't, didn't just happen. It wasn't just, oh, a big accident. No, he fell, in, he fell seven times, but he got back up eight. It's the power of reset. But if you don't have a foundation of repentance, of going to God in your, in your moment of sin and failure and saying, God, I'm sorry. God, please forgive me. God, change me. I don't want to be this way. And then have the ability in your own mind and heart to say, I'm resetting. This is not going to keep me down. It's not going to hold me down. I'm going to get back up, and I'm going to keep on this journey. You see, if, if you don't have that foundation, Foundation, then the, frust- the frustration of failure being greater than that foundation is going to keep you from living on. See, are your foundations stronger or bigger than your frustrations? We, we all face the frustration of temptation. The frustration of temptation. I mean, wouldn't it be awesome if you never got tempted? If you were never tempted to lie, Right? I mean, if, if, you, if you were never tempted to look at something you shouldn't look at, think a thought that you shouldn't think, if you were never tempted, wouldn't that just be awesome if you were never, ever tempted? But we will all face the frustration that comes with living on this earth. And that is the frustration of temptation. But, but how is your foundation of accountability? Because if you've got a foundation of living in community and you have a foundation of accountability, then, then, the, then the frustration of temptation will not win in your life because the foundation of accountability is greater than the frustration of the temptation. So you have to ask yourself, are my foundations better than my frustrations? Is that, can, can my foundations handle these frustrations in my life? And the strength, of our, uh, the strength of our foundations determine the impact of our frustrations because we're, we're, all going to have, we're all going to face frustrations. But the strength of our foundation determines the, the impact of that frustration in my life. We will all experience these frustrations. And these frustrations can, can, can distract you. They can detour you. They can destroy you. These frustrations can begin to, to dominate your life unless your foundations are stronger. Your foundations determine the impact of these frustrations in our life. So if I say, I want a life that lives on, okay, I want to live on through all these things, then, then I have to look at, I have to ask myself, well, what am I living on, right? If I want a life that lives on through all the, the, all the difficulty, all of the adversity, all of the challenges, I want, I want a life that lives on through impatience and through temptation. I want a life that continually lives on. Okay, then I have to ask myself, then what is my foundation? What am I living on today? I'll just give you three things real quick that I believe we need to live on in order to live a life that lives on. Here's the first thing that we, we need to live on, and that is truth. We need to live on truth. We need the foundation of truth in our lives. Jesus said this in John 14, 6. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So we understand that Jesus is the truth. When we build our lives on Christ, we are building our lives on the surest and truest foundation possible. That's what Jesus said. He said, I am the truth. 
when you build your life on Christ, it is the surest and the truest foundation possible. And then Jesus declared himself to be the cornerstone. He said the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. He was talking there about himself. And the cornerstone is the most important stone in the foundation. The cornerstone was the stone that went into the corner and it set the parameters and the limitations for that building. It set the borders for that building. It was the most important stone because it determined where every other stone would go. It was the cornerstone, and that is who Jesus is. And when we build our life on the truth, when we build our life on Christ, we are building our life on the cornerstone, and he is the one that sets the direction. He is the one that sets the boundaries. He is the one that determines where everything else should line up because everything is built on him and around him. So we live on the truth that is Christ, because Christ is the truth, but we also live on the truth of Christ, okay? So it's not just that we live we, li- we live on Christ, because that is true, but then we also live on the truth of Christ, and, and this is what Jesus said. Jesus said, you are my disciples in John chapter 8. He said, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teaching, and he says, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, we know that Jesus is the truth, and, the, and here's, the, here's the thing. The minute that we know the truth, Jesus, the way, the truth, and life, the minute that we know the truth, this is what we know. We, we are saved, and when we are saved, Jesus breaks the power of sin over our lives. Okay, it, it, it happens it, in, in a moment. The power of sin is broken. But, but here's what we also need to, uh, need to know and understand tonight, and that is, is that as we continue in truth, the truth that Jesus taught, our freedom continues. It's not a one-time get-set-free moment. He breaks the power of sin. That is, that, that is what Jesus does. But then the more I get to know the truth, the more I get to know about the truth that Jesus taught, the more I get to know the truth of the word of God, then I begin to experience more and more and more and more freedom in my life. And so I build my life on the truth that is Christ, and I build my life on the truth that Jesus Christ taught. And as that, as I begin to grow in that truth, I experience more and more and more freedom. I grow more and more and more free as I go in life because that's what the truth does. The truth sets people free. That's why you can be more free 10 years from now than you are right now. You say, but I've already met Jesus. He's already broken the power of sin off my life. Yeah, yeah, I know that. But come see me 10 years further down the road after you've been walking with Jesus, and I promise you, you will be more free in 10 years than you are today. Why? Because that's what the truth does. That's why we build our life on Christ, and we build our life on the teachings of Christ, the truth that came out of Christ, because it continually sets us free. Psalm 25, verse 4 and 5 says this, show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth and teach me, for you are the God who saves me. All day long, I put my hope in you. Here's what I've discovered in life is that it can be easier to ask for the right path than it is to ask God to lead me by truth. 
because the truth hurts sometimes. I can pray. It's easy for me to get, say, God, show me the right path. God, show me where you want me to go. God, shine your light on my future. God, lead me out there. But it, it's a whole nother thing to say, God, God, reveal your truth to me and lead me by that truth because sometimes the truth hurts, but here's the reality. It might hurt, but it's the only way that you get free. What good is it for him to show me the path if I'm not free? What good is it for him to show me where to go if, if I'm still bound up by the things that, I, that I've been bound up for all, all these years of my life? No, that's why, that's why David prays here, and he says, God, I want you to set me free. I want you to lead me by your truth. I know your truth will liberate me. Your truth will set me free. Set me free and lead me by your truth because I know who you are. You are the God who saves. I know who you are. That's why I choose to put all my hope in you because you will set me free and you will lead me down the path that you want me to go. So it's not enough for us to say, God, show me where to go. It's, it's about us saying, God, I want to be who you want me to be, and God, you want me to be free, and the only way you can do that is show me your truth. I got to build it on truth. I build my life on truth. I, I got to build it on truth, and as I build it on truth, I experience freedom. And as I begin to experience freedom, I can begin to run. I can begin to hit my stride, and I can begin to move towards everything that God has in store for me. Okay, here's the, the second thing that we need to live on if our lives are going to live on. Uh, the first is truth. The second is testimonies. Our second is testimonies. And the first, the first testimony you got to live on is the testimony of grace. You got to live on the testimony of grace. Is what the Bible says in Revelation 12, 11. It says, and they have defeated him, speaking of, of, of the devil, and they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony, and they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. This is, this, this is the scripture talking about you. This is, this is how you defeat Satan. You didn't defeat Satan because of, of your, your good theology. You didn't, you didn't defeat Satan because you had a good singing voice. You didn't defeat Satan because you showed up to church every Sunday morning. You defeated Satan because the blood of the Lamb... The blood of lamb. It, it was great. The only way you the only way you defeat it is the blood of lamb. That is the testimony of grace. And he says, by the blood of lamb and the word of your testimony, and your testimony is the blood of the lamb. And so really the only way you won is because you got a testimony about what he put in there first, and that is the blood of the lamb that allowed you to win in the first place. You see, you have to have a testimony of grace. A testimony of grace. We don't win on our own. We don't win. We can't save ourselves. We can't forgive our own sins. No, only Christ can do this. This is why we need a testimony of grace. It is by grace through faith that we have been saved. We have to have a testimony of grace. You see, you have to build your life. If you want to live a life that lives on through challenges and difficulties, then you better build your life on a testimony of grace. There's a second testimony. Is you, you, you have to build your life on a testimony of greatness. A testimony of greatness. The Bible says in Psalm 77, verse 7, it says, has the Lord rejected me forever? 
Will he never again be kind to me? Is his unfailing love gone forever? Have his his promises permanently failed? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he slammed the door on his compassion? And I said, this is my fate. The Most High has turned his hand against me. But then I recall all you have done, O Lord. I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. You see, sometimes what you have to do is whenever you start feeling disconnected from God, whenever you start walking around wondering, God, where are you? God, have you forgotten about me? You you need a testimony of his greatness, and you need to remember all that he has done, and you need to remember everything that he is, and you need to remember all the promises that he has made. You, You need to remember the testimony of his greatness and of his faithfulness and of his loving kindness, and you have to remember that testimony in the midst of your darkness. See, because we want a life that lives on through that darkness, and you're not going to make it through that darkness. You're not going to make it through that valley if your life is not built on a testimony of grace and a testimony of his greatness. We want to live on. Okay, well, what do we live on? Are you, are you living on a testimony of grace right now? Are you living on a testimony of grace? Are you living on a, are you living on a testimony of your hard work and, 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 and your goodness? Are you just living on a testimony of grace? Are, are you living on the, 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 the pure theology that you've been able to grab a hold of? Are you just living a t- on a testimony of grace? It is just by grace that I have been saved. That's my testimony. It's the only way I overcome. It's the only way I overcome. If it's the only way that we overcome the enemy, then it's really the only thing that matters. You're not going to get into an argument with me about all kinds of theological, little, you know, splitting hairs over this and that. I'm not going to get into that argument because I, I'm going to overcome by the blood of the Lamb. And if we can agree, and if we can agree on that, then we are brothers and and and, and sisters, and we can do life together. Because I'm not going, I'm not falling into that trap. Because if it's good enough to overcome Satan, then that's all I really need. I overcome by the blood. Of, it's a testimony of grace. And that's how I'm going to live on. I'm going to live on because I got a testimony of grace and I've got a testimony of his greatness. Amen. Now, a testimony of his greatness is going to help me to live on, but I've got to make sure I'm living on those testimonies. There's the last thing that we have to live on if we want to live a life that lives on, and that is trust. We have to live on trust. Here's what the Bible says in Psalm 37. Verse 3, it says, trust in the Lord and do good. You might remember this scripture from our summer series last year, Grit and Grace. Trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him, and he will help you. Trust in the Lord and do good. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. I, I recently heard a pastor say, um, and it, whether you agree theologically or not, it gives you a good mental picture, and it says this, worry is temporary atheism. 
Worry is temporary atheism. He says, because when you are worried, you get your eyes off of who God says he is and what God says he's in control of. And that's why you have to trust that God is bigger than your current dysfunction. You have to trust that God is bigger than your financial mess. You have to trust that God can not only handle that, you also have to trust that God can handle you. You, 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 have, you have to try. You have to commit everything to him, and you have to trust him. And if you trust him, he will help you. You know, when you worry about something, you're worried about what you can do about it. How many of you figured out you, you can't do enough about it? We're not worried about it. No, I'm going to trust God in these situations. I'm going to trust God with that issue. I'm going to trust God with that person. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to do all the good that I can. I'm going to do everything that I know to do. I'm going to do everything in my power. But the end of the story is this. I trust God. Trust is defined as this, a firm belief in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of someone or something. When I say I trust God, I'm saying I'm putting a firm belief in his reliability. I trust him because he's reliable. I trust him because he's got a track record. I trust him because I can go all the way back to Genesis and I can work all the way through Revelation and I can see all the way through God has been faithful. And if he was faithful to all of those people, if he was faithful to all of those men and all of those women, then he will be faithful to me. He has proven that he is reliable so I can put a firm belief in his reliability. I put a firm belief in the truth and the ability and the strength of someone or something that's why I put my trust in him. The Bible says in Proverbs 16, as we, as we close, 16 verse 20, the scripture says this, those who listen to instruction will prosper. Those who trust in the Lord will be joyful. Those who listen to instruction will prosper, but those who trust in the Lord will be joyful. Th- those who listen, those who listen, and, and the Amplified breaks out a little, a little bit more, that, that those who listen and apply, those who listen and put into action what they heard, they are the people that will prosper. But those who trust in the Lord will be joyful. So so whenever you listen to instruction and you put that instruction into practice, then you will begin to prosper. You will begin to prosper in every area of your life. Your marriage will begin to prosper when you listen to the instructions of God and you begin to put those things into practice. When you listen to the instruction to forgive, when you listen to the instruction that we are to submit one to another and you begin to put those things into practice, your marriage will begin to prosper. Whenever you take the principles of the instruction of the word of God and you put it into practice in your life, you will begin to prosper. But it says, but those who trust in the Lord, they will be joyful. They will be, they will be joyful. Now, now it says, if you trust in the Lord, you'll be joyful. You will, have, you will be full of joy. Now think about what Nehemiah says about the joy of the Lord. He says that the joy of the Lord is your strength that those people who have joy are the people that are strong. So it is in my ability to trust God. When I trust God, he fills me with joy. And when he fills me with joy, he makes me strong. 
So my ability to be strong is not in my ability to think that I'm good enough to handle my situation, but my ability to think that he's big enough to handle my situation. And when I put my trust in him, he fills me with joy. And out of that joy, I get strength to live on through whatever I'm facing. I believe that's what Paul was saying in Romans 15, verse 13, when he said this, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Because you trust, because you chose to put a firm belief in his reliability. You put a firm belief in his truth. You put a firm belief in what he said. You put firm belief in him and you decided to trust him. He said, when you do that, I am trusting that God will completely fill you up with joy and peace. He says, and then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. So he says right here, when you trust God, God will fill you with joy. And when you get filled with joy, you will experience the power or the strength of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you and the strength that you have on the inside of you and the joy that you experience all became you made up your mind, I will trust him. I don't know about you, but sometimes life can be hard. Sometimes life can be way, 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 way more difficult than I ever thought it would be. Sometimes I can be dealing with things I never thought I would be dealing with. Facing obstacles that I never thought I would be facing. Walking through valleys that I never thought or dreamed I would ever be walking through in my life. How how am I going to make it? How am I going to live on through that type of pain? How am I going to live on through that type of shame and embarrassment? How am I going to live on through that failure? How am I going to live on? There's only one way I can do it, and that is if I'm strong. But the key is not for me to make myself strong. The key is for me in that moment to say I'm building my life on trust that come hell or high water, it doesn't matter. I'm putting my trust in him because I know there are dark days. I know there are challenges. I know what is ahead. Jesus warned me ahead of time. And he said in this world, there will be many challenges. Jesus warned me what was ahead. I know the only way I can make it through that is if I'm strong. And the only way I can be strong is if I choose to put my trust in him. So when I put my trust in him, he fills me with joy. And the joy that I get from him turns into my strength. I want, I, I want a life that lives on. I don't want one failure to take me out. I don't want one bad day to take me out. I don't want one dark season to take me out. I want to live a life that lives on. Okay, if that's what you want, then you have to evaluate the foundation and say, what are you living on right now? Because what you are living on, the foundation of this moment will, will tell you what frustration you can handle in that moment. 
See, if you're building on the foundation of truth, it says for, for everything that comes up, God's got an answer for it. For everything that pops up, God's got an answer. No weapon formed against me shall be able to prosper. God's got an answer for it. All things work together for the good. Those that have called by him. All things work together for the good. Everything. God's got an answer. I'm building my life on truth. Building my life on a testimony. A testimony of grace. A testimony of grace. When the enemy comes to point his slimy, nasty finger in your face, tell you you don't deserve all this, tell you you're not worthy of the abundant life, yeah, you say, I, I, I know, I know, I just got a testimony of grace. You know, they say, you, you ever seen a turtle on, on top of fence posts? You know it didn't get there on its own. own. It had help. The enemy comes and points his finger. You, you just got a testimony of grace. I'm just a turtle on the fence post. I didn't get here on my own. I came at the invitation of the king. I, I didn't get here on my own. I got a testimony of grace. You see, if you're going, if you're going to live a life that lives on, you have to live on a testimony of grace. You got to live on a testimony of his greatness. He's been faithful. He's been true. I remember what he's done for me. I remember what I've read. I know the God who I serve. I've got a testimony of his greatness. I'm living on that testimony, building my life on that testimony. I'm building my life on the testimony of trust. I mean, on, on the principle of trust, the foundation of trust. I'm building my life on that foundation, the foundation of trust. A firm belief. A firm belief. Because that trust is going to be the thing that fills me with joy. You know, isn't, isn't it the scripture that says that weeping might endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning? See, when I trust him, I believe the morning's coming. The dawn is coming. The sun will rise again. And when it rises, I'm going to experience tremendous joy. I, I, walk, I walk through my challenge knowing that this is, this is not the end for me. This is, this is not the end. No, I'm walking through this. I've determined I'm going to live a life that lives on. And I'm, I know I'm going to live that life because I chose to live on the right things. I'm going to live on his truth. I'm going to live on the testimonies. And, and I'm going to live on trust. I'm going to build my life on those foundations. So whenever those little frustrations come, my foundation is so much more stable than those frustrations. My, my foundation can handle that frustration because it's built on truth and testimonies and trust. Come on, will you stand with me tonight? Here at North Point Community Church, we believe in creating Christ-centered, culture-changing community through the message of Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for your support. If you would like more information, you can visit our website at ncc.team or follow us on any social media platform at CC North Point.